Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. No script for this episode time. Might be a disaster time. It's a certified organic fresh time. Uh, Let's not talk about the election time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday evening. Very cold, cold Monday evening. It's like uh, we went straight from summer almost into to winter. Not a big fan of this at all. You know what? And, and here's the thing. I didn't turn Grant's microphone on yet, Grant Ramey, because I knew he was about to say something ridiculous because he was going to listen to me complaining about the cold weather again and he was going to get really upset about it like he always does. But uh, I wanted to be, uh, head it off at the pass, so I had him muted until now. And now I'll bring in Ryan Callahan and Grant Ramey from uh, just across the area here. Fellas, um, I guess, Grant, I'll go ahead and go to you first since uh, you were probably some, saying something pretty ridiculous a second ago, weren't you? I said it's going to be 78 on Sunday and 77 on Saturday. Just relax. There's nothing wrong with some crisp air for a couple of days. Uh, below 50 is not crisp. That is cold. I mean, if it's overnight when you're not outside, does it really make a huge difference? That's true. I mean, I know this. That's true. Overnight freezing and stuff isn't fun, but not the end of the world. Do they have heat in your house that was built in 1792 by General Custer? Yeah, they do, actually. Uh, so I think this uh, central, I, I, I think uh, Custer put that in himself. I think he did. So you're fine. Let's go. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll be good. And it's football weather, and like Grant said, it's still in the 70s some days. So, you know, we allow complaining about the cold when we have to travel to Lexington for anything. It's allowed then. Other times, let's just keep it to a minimum, I guess. I reserve the right to complain and cry and gripe anytime it is below 50 degrees outside. That is my right. That is my God-given constitutional right as an American, and uh, I am exercising that right now. Uh, Speaking of which, guys, uh, if you're going out there for, uh, for Election Day stuff, hope you're being safe. Hope you're hope you're doing all that that you can do to stay safe uh, for everybody and for all of us. So uh, it's a big week, certainly lots of stuff to talk about uh, in sports, where we will keep this thing in between the lines during this during this podcast. Uh, it's always interesting though during uh, during the election week because we try so hard to keep politics and things away from the board, uh, and then there are certain times where it's almost it's just like impossible, and uh, times like these are one of those times, so we'll, we'll see how things go with that the next couple of days on GoVols well, 24-7's checkerboard. And, and especially this week when you have players and coaches across the country talking about the fact that the, Tuesday is a mandatory day off for teams because of Election Day and Dan Mullen and others, I guess, maybe having expressed some uh, skepticism about the need for that to be a mandatory off day and what's a, an important practice day for Florida during Georgia week and all that stuff, so... 
You know, Dan, yeah, that, that Dan, makes it tough to ignore. Dan Mullen should just keep his mouth shut for the next little bit about most things. Uh, Probably. In, in light of what happened over the weekend. Man, that guy. I he just, got off light. Ugh. You know, it was a Saturday where Tennessee did not play football. So naturally, I think those of us who cover Tennessee were hoping to have a really good Saturday of football because there are more games that we can watch than usual, right? Normally, we're either, you know, traveling to and from Neyland or, or some other stadium or you know, kind of doing a bunch of work, monitoring the board, doing a bunch of other stuff. So really, Tennessee's open date weekend is really one of the only times we get to kind of be a regular college football fan uh, for, for a week. And, and I thought, you know, maybe there, there were some games that were going to be kind of fun. Ended up not really being the case, but um, there were a couple decent games in there. Uh, and interestingly enough, toward the end of the day, uh, there was the Florida-Mizzou game where uh, – uh, there was uh, some fisticuffs going down. I uh, really thought the SEC had was well within its rights if it wanted to uh, suspend Dan Mullen for his uh, his ridiculous part in that brouhaha over the weekend, but uh, it decided against that. And uh, I'm telling you, if Dan Mullen does it again, he needs to be careful, guys, or or else like Mark Stoops or somebody's going to get suspended for this. Uh, that that's how that's how mad the SEC is going to be at Dan Mullen for for this. But slap a hundred thousand dollar fine on somebody. Yeah, just man, just ridiculous very very ridiculous but uh the team that tennessee will be playing this saturday was in action over the weekend arkansas went to texas a&m uh took a loss but i I think played reasonably pretty good football um again just that arkansas team is just so much better than just about any of us thought it would be going into the season and that's going to be a big topic of discussion in this podcast we'll get to more about arkansas later uh, with Tennessee and Arkansas, certainly a big game coming up, a game that Tennessee is still favored to win, a game that, that Tennessee will will be expected by a lot of people to win, but a game that will not be as simple as maybe a lot of people thought it, it could be going into the season, and not just because Tennessee's uh, been kind of a disaster recently, because Arkansas also has been much better than people thought it would be. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll get to some news and notes quickly. Uh, we did speak with Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt and a few of his players on Monday, a uh, quick PSA here. Normally we talk to the players on Tuesday. Uh, there were there will be no discussions with players tomorrow because everyone will be off for, for election day. So we got uh, some interviews uh, with Jeremy Pruitt and some of the players out of the way today on Monday. Didn't think there was really anything crazy big uh, from, from Pruitt's uh, availability. He did say that freshman running back Laneath Whitehead, who just came back, from a foot injury that cost him a lot of his senior season in high school. He is uh, he came back. He, he was starting to do some good things in camp, and they called practice camp last week, uh, but then went down uh, with a shoulder injury. Looks like he's going to have surgery. Looks like he's going to be out for the year. Not, not huge news there, but certainly, guys, a position where Tennessee still needs some, some depth and some bodies, and now they maybe had three freshmen uh, who, were, who could help there, and now maybe they got two. Yeah, that's that's a tough uh, tough spot to be in. You know, we start, well, I, I guess they had four freshmen. You know, with the the, the move of D Beckwith uh, to oh, running yeah. back I, earlier sorry. this year. Let, let me let me rephrase so. that, guys. That I, I was not counting Jabari Small because he's already played some this season. I was talking yeah. about you know new guys to add into the mix. Yeah, but but that that's still very much to your point of position. They really need some depth, and that was uh, sort of where that came up. You know, almost organically with Jeremy Pruitt talking about it, the need to develop more depth. Uh, he was talking about some of the younger guys they got a chance to take a look at or that he wanted to look at last week during the open date practices. And he mentioned the running back position naturally. He started with D Beckwith, mentioned T Hodge, uh, you know, said Jabari Smalls played some, uh, but, you know, they needed to develop some more depth there. And then, oh, by the way, uh, Lenith Whitehead, he's out for the year probably and has to have shoulder surgery, which is a really tough break for him because uh, that guy's waited a year to be healthy. 
Uh, he may not have even been fully healthy yet. It's, uh, you know, we heard some sort of conflicting things on that. Sound like he was maybe starting to turn the corner coming back from that Liz Frank injury last year, which is a tough injury to come back from to begin with. And then you throw this on top of that and he's just had a, a rough start to his college career. So I hate to hate to see that for him. Uh, I got very much wanted to play running back uh, and, and has, has gotten a chance to do that. And now is just, has just been set back in his efforts to, to get on the field, but still a position Tennessee needs to get some, some depth out there. As Jeremy Pruitt said, they've been fortunate to get through the season so far uh, without any injuries at that position, because if, if anyone went down, you know, Eric Gray or Ty Chandler, either of those guys went down, you'd be looking at a lot of Jabari Small in there or a lot of heavy reliance on whichever one of those guys was still healthy between Chandler and Gray and then Small chipping in a little bit. So you need at least another guy to be ready there, whether it's T. Hodge or, or D. Beckwith. And it sounds like maybe Beckwith is closest to being ready or maybe the next one in line right now and has shown some good things. Uh, but it's just been, a, you know, again, a weird year for him. He's missed some time and and, and just now starting to get into the mix. I think they're at running back. So uh, tough break for Whitehead and, and definitely a position Tennessee needs to continue to work on because they uh, they, they don't have much proven behind the, behind those top two guys. Even though Small has played some, he still needs to play more, I think, going forward. I think with Whitehead, you can kind of spin it as a positive to just take the next however many weeks off, months off, and kind of hit the reset button before spring. Because I think all the guys you mentioned are basically going to get reps ahead of Whitehead, even if he's, you know, quote unquote healthy, whatever yeah. that means for him. So it's not like there's a huge reliance on him. It's not like there's a huge rush to get him back. He's obviously the, the Liz Frank thing that takes a while to get back from uh, now, obviously a shoulder situation, just come back completely healthy and kind of hit the reset button in spring and start over from there uh, with the current guys. I think Eric Gray, you, you know what you're going to get from him with Ty Chandler. You've seen, uh, what you want from him at times, uh, maybe they can get more from him moving forward. I think Jabari Small has been a, a bright spot there with the way he runs the football. It's kind of been what they need. Um, and outside of that, yeah, they got to they got to find something uh, with health, whatever it is, whatever guy they can get going there, just to be a depth option. Uh, but for Whitehead, maybe he can make this into a positive and be completely healthy by the uh, time next, uh, next spring rolls around. Yeah, I think that that there's a. Um... You know, I, I do think, and again, I, guys, I apologize. My voice has been just a little bit off all day, um, that time of year, I suppose. But, but it, it, it's this is a a deal where Tennessee, I, I think, small has been nice, um, and, and I think he's a guy who maybe you could get the ball to a little bit more to see what he does with it. Because I'll be honest, guys, I have been pleasantly surprised by the physicality uh, that he's shown running the football. And, and I'm not suggesting that I thought he would just kind of come in and be nothing but a kind of a scat back, change of pace guy. But he has showed the ability, albeit in a limited role so far, to really kind of put his shoulder down and and, and keep his legs turning and get some yards. That's something that I knew that that he was a guy who maybe could be an every down back at some point. But am I the only one here who, who was a little bit surprised by that? Because if y'all were expecting more of that, feel free to go ahead and say it now. It surprised me, certainly. Yeah, su- surprised me. I mean, just that, that first impression we got of him around his very first carry, you know, he lowers his head and runs over a guy, you know, you saw, I mean, obviously in high school, he was sort of a workhorse back for his team, but it's one thing to do it in high school. It's another to, to do it in the SEC. And, and, you know, I'm not ready to say that he's, he's capable of being, you know, a 20 carry a game type of guy at this level. We'll, we'll have to wait and see about that. But I, I do think that was a good sign for him to show that he has that kind of physicality and uh, more of an every down element to his game, maybe to, to give himself a better chance to, to be more of a factor going forward. So I, I, I'm a little bit surprised by that, but also know he's bulked up a good bit over the past 18 months or so. He did a little bit of senior year 
and I think has continued that. And he's sort of on the same path, a little bit physically like Eric Gray is on. You know, he's Gray is closer to that 200-pound range now. Ty Chandler, a similar guy, you know, where he wasn't that heavy coming out of high school, but now as a senior, he's continued to develop. And Chandler's, what, around 205 now, maybe even a little heavier. So it you, you, can, you can see Small is already on that path. And if he continues to develop physically, I think he could be more of a, an every-down type of back and not just that situational, you know, pass-catching kind of versatile back we see a lot. I think more than anything, it's the mentality um, that you want from a guy like that to, to put his shoulder down and try to run over somebody despite not being the biggest back in the world because they have, right now, those three guys you're talking about obviously aren't the biggest backs in the world. You, you went through their height and weights. Um, they're going to have to have guys that aren't afraid to lower a shoulder and try to run over somebody between the tackles because they don't have that big, heavy back that's, that's going to do that. That's not you know a guy that you're just going to put in the game. Uh, to run up the middle. So you're, you're going to have to have that mentality uh, out of this running back room until they get other guys that are bigger in there or develop some of these freshmen or whatever. But you're going to have to have that because of the size and weights. It's just you don't have that big back. You better have that big back mentality. Yeah, and there were a couple other news and notes. You know, I, I know a lot of people are going to ask about this, and they should, quite frankly, because it's it's certainly it's the story of 2020 in so many ways. Um, but Tennessee did have the bye, or I don't want to say bye week. They coaches don't like that. It was the, the open date portion of the schedule last week, uh, so Tennessee's players uh, did kind of get 48 hours of shore leave, which means they were going to go home in some cases. And then you start to wonder naturally, well, did any of them come back with COVID-19? They were tested on Sunday. Uh, I'm sure they've gotten the results by now, but when we spoke with Pruitt earlier in the day on Monday, he had not gotten the results yet. So unless anybody's got something I don't have right now, I don't know that there's any information available on that. And of course, they will be tested again on Tuesday and on Thursday. So we'll, we'll start to kind of get a sense for did anything happen with that over the weekend? Um, but so far, I, I guess no news is not bad news, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we certainly – I would have been surprised if we had heard something by today. Um, but, yeah, the fact they've already gotten that testing done, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll start to hear anything that might come out of that uh, at least, uh, you know, by Tuesday or Wednesday and, and sort of see where they are. But uh, there, I think there was obviously some concern going into the open date. You know, can players, you know, take the, you know, lessons, the tough lessons they learned over the summer and, and during preseason camp when everyone missed so much time on the practice field or a lot of players did because of, uh, you know, not, not only being in quarantine themselves, but mostly the contact tracing that obviously frustrated coaches and players in a lot of cases with all the time they had to miss um, as, a, as a precaution, essentially, because of, you know, possible exposures. I think they, they got the message and, and coaches were, you know, going to be eager to see if they sort of, you know, did what they needed to do this, this past weekend. And uh, if, even if they went home to see family or see friends, you know, they, they needed to be responsible and uh, you, you'd like to think they, they did the right things and, and, and uh, will hopefully come back with a, a clean bill of health. But so far, you know, like you said, no, no news is not bad news, and, and we'll see if anything else comes of it. But it's certainly something to at least keep an eye on this week, uh, knowing that Tennessee really can't afford to lose any, anyone of significance going into a game like this against Arkansas that's really kind of a toss-up in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, and it's a legit, legit concern because the case numbers being what they are, you go home, depending on the number of guys that went home for the open date, um, it would be hard not to have somebody bring it back just based on percentages and numbers. What we don't have and what we're never going to have is, you know, basically a COVID roster of this football team who's had it since they got back to campus, who's dealt with it firsthand, how many guys have just been limited to the contact tracing. You know, what, what are the numbers here? I don't think we're ever going to know that. We're not going to know the names uh, specifically. Um, but I think it would be hard to avoid not having any of it come back. Uh, that's just based on 
percentages and numbers, but we'll see. I mean, Tennessee obviously can't lose anybody, um, at least somebody they rely on in the two deep because they've got a tough run of games coming up, and, and it starts with, like like our, uh, Ryan said, an Arkansas game that's a toss-up or feels like it, and it's a game they really have to win. Yeah, I, I want to be careful here because when I say this, I don't, I don't want it to sound like it's any kind of fear-mongering because that's not – I'm not sitting here assuming the worst. I'm not being a, a doomsday-sayer. I think to Grant's point, though, it is absolutely – to me, it would be way beyond naive to think that Tennessee is going to go the rest of the season without having anybody else have to go into quarantine or anybody else who has a positive test. I, I just don't you, – you can see these numbers across the country being what they are, um, and it just seems to me like more of this is going to go around. I, it's going to get colder. More people are going to be spending more time indoors. It's just going to be harder to kind of air this thing out. I, I think that you're there are this season is going to be impacted by that more. It just I think it will. Now I think it's healthy to kind of envision in your mind or picture it in your mind saying this is going to be a problem at times. And that way, if it's not, hey, then that's great. You know, hey, that's awesome. Good news. It didn't happen awesome news. However, I think to sit there and say that, ah, this is, this whole thing's passed. Don't have to worry about it. Nothing could be further from the truth. Games are still being moved around. You know, games are still being, you know, postponed, canceled, et cetera. Just be on the lookout because I think this stuff is still going around and I think it's pretty easy to see that. Uh, before we step away here uh, to take a quick break, I think we need to mention a couple of other things. It's not really surprising to hear this, but Jeremy Pruitt did mention, um, and a couple of these guys we already knew about, uh, but he did mention some guys who got moved around a little bit during the open date. Uh, naturally, these were things that maybe you would do more so in camp if you had a normal camp or if you had a normal offseason. Tennessee has not had that opportunity, has not had that luxury right now. So some guys did have to be moved around a little bit during uh, the break kind of to see sort of could they do this, could they help the team there. Uh, one big note would be Key Lawrence, the freshman defensive back, uh, who has been moved around a few times, as we've mentioned already, but they hadn't moved him in a bit. It, it seems like he's gotten some more work at the star position, the nickel position lately, uh, to see if he can help them out, because I think he, they could be a little more, little bit more dynamic there. That, that, that's that been an area where Tennessee has been hurt at times, and, and really Schamberger needs to play better. Um, but if nothing else, maybe maybe Lawrence or, or you know maybe one of the other freshmen can be a guy who can step forward there. That would be big news for Tennessee. Uh, it seems like Pat Garland, uh, who is Quasi Garland, who is um, Karat Garland's younger brother, uh, the former walk-on safety, he is now an inside linebacker, which is interesting. I didn't necessarily see that coming. Uh, Bryson Eason now getting some work at, at outside linebacker. Uh, Morvin Joseph now getting some work at inside linebacker in addition to outside linebacker. So did I just get the main ones there, guys, or were there any other position notes that I did not, that I, that I did not write now? No, that that was it, and and really the Easton and, and Joseph notes were were sort of Pruitt, you know, recapping some recent moves they made. That wasn't necessarily a new development last week either. So really, the news here is just mainly Lawrence and and Garland, which, as you said, is interesting. You know, that's a walk on, but a, a talented walk on, mm-hmm. uh, a guy that a guy that Tennessee, uh, I believe, put on scholarship last year, right? But he's maybe back as a back to walk on status this year, perhaps with the numbers being what they were. But either way, a guy that is maybe capable of helping there in the future and, and being, a, you know, maybe a, uh, improving the depth there a little bit. So in- interesting that they uh, decided to make that move. But, but Key Lawrence is, is definitely an interesting one because I think this his situation to me sort of shows you a, an example of what's so tricky about sort of the juggling act that you have to do when you're rebuilding the program between trying to maximize the talent you do have and putting players in the best opportunity 
where, where they can be at their best in a couple years down the road. Because to me, Lawrence is the kind of guy that ideally you'd put him in a position and just keep him there and let him develop. And if he doesn't play this year, so be it. And if he doesn't even make much of an impact next year, that's okay. But Tennessee's not really in a position where they can do that. They sort of need – they see a guy like Key Lawrence and, and they say, you know what, he's so talented – we need to find a way to use him. We're not that good. And he does when he's right when, he, when he's out there in the field, Ryan. I could see that just in, in the game against Alabama late yeah. in the game. I mean, he moves really. He moves like a guy who athletically can help them. Absolutely, and he's, he was the highest ranked player in, in Tennessee's twenty twenty class for a reason. You know, an in state guy that Tennessee made a huge priority for a long time, uh, and 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 a guy that you would like to get on the field. Uh, but they they put him at corner, and 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 again, sort of tried to keep him there after they moved him from safety to corner during a time in camp when, again, you know, we, we keep talking about the, these COVID absences and they, they've come up, but they've, they've impacted the team in a bunch of different ways. You know, this is sort of a, you know, almost a butterfly effect thing, but, you know, a bunch of guys being out led to Key Lawrence getting moved to cornerback when they otherwise might not have done that. And instead of moving him back and forth, they, they just decided to keep him there because they thought, you know, it might be the best chance to get him on the field this year. And, you know, he stuck behind, Bryce Thompson, Elante Taylor, Kenneth George at the same time. So, you know, you don't see a, a, a true path to playing time for him at cornerback anytime soon, and you're struggling at star. So now you move him to star to see if he can help there. And it sounds like we may get to see him Saturday night. Jeremy Pruitt kind of indicated on Monday that, that they're that maybe going to try to get an opportunity for him to play some Saturday and, and at least see what he can do there. So that's an interesting development. We'll, we'll see if he can settle in there. I, I think that could be a fit for him. You know, he's not been a perfect fit at safety so far. Hasn't gotten a chance at corner. I think nickel makes sense for him. He's got the the, the kind of physicality and, and the skill set that you need there. And uh, even though he's a little bigger than your traditional star in a lot of cases, because he's in that six one to six two range and two hundred pounds, I think he he could work there. So that's an interesting move. And it, interested to see how that works if he does get a chance to play Saturday. I hope he gets a shot, and I, and I hope he succeeds because he deserves it. Because he feels like he's been affected as much as anybody with with all those position moves from safety to corner. Uh, back to safety, to corner, to nickel, you know, all this stuff to the star, whatever. Um, you want to see him have some success. And he's not Harrison Bailey in terms of fans want to see that guy, but when you're the highest ranked guy of the class, when you're an in-state defensive back uh, as talented as he is and the defensive backs at Tennessee right now are struggling the way they've struggled lately, you want to get him on the field and see what he can do, and hopefully uh, he'll get that shot at Arkansas. Yeah, and, and uh, I think those were, were the main position moves of note. Um, you know, nothing really else major that came from Jeremy Pruitt, I think, on Monday. You know, he spoke a little bit more about Arkansas. We'll have more on that after the break. Um, but those were the the main things to note. And I still think it's interesting that D. Beckwith is playing some at running back at six foot five. That's just not something you see very often. So we'll see how that goes. That's certainly a situation where Tennessee sort of needs him uh, to, to be a guy who can help there more so than that might, might not be where you want to put him. Um, but he's a guy who maybe can help you there. So we'll see more about that in just a second. But we do have plenty of Tennessee-Arkansas to discuss. That'll be the point uh, of topic, the point of discussion. When we come back for the break, uh, after the break, I should say, man, my, I'm off my game today, fellas. Just, whew. It's the open day for everybody. Man, just talk about some rust. Woof. Let's Gotta get uh, more reps. Yeah, let, let, let's 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 do this. Let's go to break. Let's take step take away for for just one second. Let's step away. Let's get to some product services, in-house ads. Get our minds wrapped around this, and, and be prepared to come correct here in the second segment. Hashtag. Uh,
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Raby coming to you from the uh, the Blount County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7 down there in Maryville. Ryan Callahan coming to us from his uh, clown car full of children abode there on the other side of town. Fellas, we got a lot to discuss with Tennessee and Arkansas here in the second segment of this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Before we do that, though, uh, I will ask you again, please quickly take a minute or so out of your day. Go in there, hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Please, please do that. Please also rate and review this podcast. There is nothing you can do out there that will help us more than that. Obviously, we want you to tell your friends, family, all that good stuff. You know, where we all look for content th- these days. Uh, there's just not as much to do. So hopefully, hopefully right now we've been we've been able to add to that. We'll keep adding to that. We're happy to do it. But we could really, really use some help on uh, on on rating and reviewing this podcast. These numbers are growing at a crazy rate every week. It's been so fun to be a part of this. Uh, and we look forward to to taking this even better places going forward. Uh, in order to do that, though, uh, let, let's let's speed up that curve a little bit. Let, let's go ahead and rate and review this podcast, whether you're on Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. But uh, if you will go in there and just take a minute out of your time to do that, that would help us out a lot. We would really, really appreciate that. Guys, Tennessee and Arkansas is a game going into this season that most of us thought, well, if Tennessee's going to have any kind of a decent year, this is a game you got to have. This is a game where Arkansas had not won uh, an SEC game in a long time. Uh, Arkansas had a first-year head coach. Arkansas is playing a a hard schedule. So many things were going against Arkansas here. And you thought, Tennessee, you got to go to Fayetteville. That's a long trip, not the easiest place to play. You never know what can happen, but that's a game that if you're taking the program to a place where Tennessee wants to be as a program and a place where Tennessee has been for most of its history, that's a game Tennessee takes care of. Now, all of a sudden, this is a game where uh, Tennessee is only a marginal favorite to win this game because of the way Arkansas has played this season and the way Tennessee has played this season. I think you could argue that uh, Arkansas has been one of the most pleasant surprises in the league, and you could argue uh, that Tennessee has been one of the uh, most unpleasant surprises in the league in some ways. So going 
into this game even more so now than it was going into the season. This is a game Tennessee needs to get, uh, but it's a game that's looking a lot more difficult than it was a couple weeks ago. Maybe still not what everyone is, maybe not quite as tough as people are saying it is, but still tougher than most people expected just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I I mean, for sure, when I looked at the schedule and and we saw, obviously, that Arkansas, if you remember when the schedule release happened in August, everyone was so up in arms about, you know, obviously how much Tennessee didn't get a break by adding Auburn and Texas A&M, but Arkansas got the toughest break of anybody. And people looking at that schedule at the time thought, man, they're going to go 0-10. I mean, it looked like they, they didn't have Vanderbilt on their schedule. They had no easy games. And they go out and win, what, was it two of their first three or two of their first four games? Either way, got off to a good start, and, and now they find themselves at two and three at the halfway point of the season and, and still have some winnable games out there, including this week. So this is an important one for both teams. Uh, for Arkansas, it's just a chance to, to take another step forward. For Tennessee, this, this feels like a really pivotal game to me. This Coming off an open date, coming off a three-game losing streak, um, you know, it's there are tougher games ahead on the schedule, frankly, and that's why this one is so important. I think you've got Texas A&M coming up next week, uh, Auburn after that, and you end the regular season with Florida. So you've got a few more games on the schedule that definitely aren't going to be easy. And and if you lose a game like this, not not only is the does the, the the thing start rolling downhill a little bit more with a four game losing streak going into the teeth of that second half schedule. But, it, it, you know, you need to get some positive momentum, too, going into those games just to make, make everybody feel better and make sure this doesn't spiral into something worse than what it's been with these, these last three losses. So uh, th- this is a tough one. And, and like you said, Wes, maybe not as tough in some ways as, as some people might be thinking, but uh, it's worth noting, at least, when the line came out Sunday, Tennessee opened as, as what, about a three-point favorite. It's already dropped a little bit in some places. I don't know if this is across the board, but I've seen some lines that have now Tennessee closer to the point and a half or two point range. So are already seeing some early money, I guess, going on Arkansas. There, there's reason to, to worry about this game a little bit. If you're a Tennessee fan, it's, it's far from the shoe end that, that I would have expected it to be essentially going into this season. I mean, when you're Arkansas and when people are talking about and 10, like they talked about when the schedule came out, like Ryan mentioned, I think you play the entire season with house money. You have nothing to lose when people are expecting you to lose every single Saturday. And I I mean, it started the first two quarters of the season when they had Georgia, they were up seven, five, I think at halftime of that game, obviously Georgia didn't play well and and Georgia blitzed them in the second half. Uh, But still they, they, they went to Mississippi state in week two after Mississippi state had gone to LSU and everybody thought the Mike Leach era was going to take off from there. And they, they handled Mississippi state. They should have beat Auburn. Auburn got one of those favorable whistles uh, in that game, a two point win when uh, I believe it was Bo Nix had the the he spiked it but he spiked it backwards which is yeah Auburn Jesus Auburn Jesus at it again a, a lateral and then the next week they uh they beat Ole Miss at home by 12 and and, and obviously A&M that was a pretty rough game for them Saturday night uh even though this the, the final score didn't really reflect that but the point is this is you know what does Arkansas have to lose they're they're one of the surprise teams in the SEC everybody thinks they're a great story what Sam Pittman's done so far uh, you you have nothing to lose. You're at home in this game. Uh, Tennessee struggled the last three games. They've they've struggled with turnovers. They've struggled with penalties, undisciplined play, uh, and they're trying to turn around. For me, it feels a lot like South Carolina in Week One, where Tennessee was going on the road. Uh, those first two weeks of the season, you really needed to take care of business because there were tougher games coming up. Now you're starting the second half of the schedule. You need to go on the road and get another win because there are tougher games coming up. Like Ryan mentioned, A&M, the number seven team in the country, going to Auburn, uh, Florida coming to Knoxville the last week of the season. 
there's some tough games ahead, so you better take care of business here and win a game when you can. Yeah, the, one of the biggest questions I have here is that, obviously, if you can get decent play at the quarterback position, you, that helps you in so many ways. Uh, it's kind of a quarterback's game nowadays. That's just kind of the way the, the game has gone. Uh, with teams kind of spreading the field a, a lot, chucking it around. If you got a quarterback who can throw it and can also give you a little bit with his legs, you got a chance, right? You can put some points on the board and that'll give you a chance in games. And, and Franks has been a very, very clear, noticeable upgrade for them at that position. Uh, and he's a guy who even early in his career, uh, I guess his first few years there at Florida, even when he was never very good, he was good against Tennessee. If, if we're being honest here, some of his best career games came against Tennessee. Uh, he had the the big the big game, or, or certainly the big throw there to Cleveland uh, and the Hail Mary there, the 63-yarder on the final play when he was a redshirt freshman down in Gainesville in 2017. The next year, 2018, uh, he didn't have to do a ton because Tennessee just kind of you know, messed all over down its, its its shorts and its legs and just made a mess all over the place in that game. Uh, so Franks didn't have to do much, but he's still 9 of 18 passing, I think 175 yards or something, three touchdowns, no picks. He's played pretty well against Tennessee, but when you get a guy like that in there and you he, he solidifies that quarterback position a little bit, that gives you a, a much better chance to go out there and do some things. But it's not clearly just that. There are other things. But when you look at this Arkansas team, what is it about them that has made them surprising? Uh, because I think people – we need to be careful about, you know, putting this putting more on this team than it deserves right now. Because Arkansas, you know, probably should be 3-2 and two right now if not for um, what really was just an inexcusably bad call against Auburn. But still, you know, played, played with Georgia for a half. So Tennessee's done that. Um, you know, other games, I don't know that they've really beaten any really, really good teams. So I don't know – what we know about them, other than we know Sam Pittman's a good, solid, fundamental football coach, so those guys are going to play hard. We know that Franks has given them more quarterback. But what are they doing? Burks at receiver is a good player. What are they doing that's making them competitive? I, I think it's a, as simple as this. I think, I think we almost kind of forget where they've been, which was they were very much underachieving, uh, or at least not playing well at all under, under Chad Morris a lot of times. But this is what should have been year three for Chad Morris, Uh, just like it's year three for Jeremy Pruitt. It should have been year three for that staff. And they had some young talent that they were able to bring in the past couple of years. And so in some cases, I think you've got some sophomores and some juniors that that staff did a good job bringing in and they've developed a little bit. And now you've gotten a a new staff in there that's maybe given them a a jump start in some cases to, to develop even more. Uh, And they've gotten a couple of good coordinators, I think, with Kendall Bryles and, and Barry Odom. Uh, you know, obviously Odom, a former head coach for, from the SEC, I think that hire's worked out pretty well. And, and so while Auburn's not a, or, or while Arkansas is not a world beater on either side of the ball, they've taken what was a pretty bad team by SEC standards. And they've, you know, players have taken another step forward. You add, add a quarterback in there, which, as you said, changes everything. Uh, and Felipe Franks, uh, having a guy with that kind of experience and skill set. Um, and you add it all together and it, and it gives you a decent team. So this is not an Arkansas team that's going to go in there and, and, and probably knock out some of the SEC heavyweights that are still left on their schedule. You know, they, they've got some losses ahead, I'm sure. But it's a team that's much better than last year. It's better than we expected it to be. And, and I think part of that is just maybe, yeah, having some of that young talent that Chad Morris hadn't quite developed yet, you know, be in, a, in the program for another year and you get in there with the coaching staff that seems to have, uh, you know, found some good hires uh, with, with those coordinators, especially maybe, and, and, 
you know, everything seems to be clicking for year one, even in an unusual year. So they're, they're not, uh, you know, again, it's a dangerous game, but maybe just not, uh, may, maybe still not an Arkansas team that's arrived just yet. It's just, I think everything kind of adding up to this being a more solid team as opposed to one of the worst teams in the SEC, because you've, you've got some things kind of aligning and, and, and give Sam Pittman credit. Cause I think one of those big things is getting the coordinators, right. You know, we've seen that is so important for any, any young head coach, especially. And I think he's, so far, at least anyway, it looks like he's gotten those hires right with Barry Odom and Kendall Bryles. 100% agree on the coordinators, especially Barry Odom. I think getting him's a steal. But that question that Wes asked is kind of a question I had in my head earlier today. Like, you know, what does this Arkansas team do well? Uh, and you start looking through SEC stats. They're middle of the road run game. They're middle of the road passing, maybe a little bit better than the run game. Um, they're pretty good defensively, um, kind of all around. Uh, but they're number one in the SEC in turnover margin. They they have turned it over seven times, and they forced 13 turnovers. Ten of those are interceptions, three fumble recoveries. They've been picked off four times. They've lost three fumbles. If you're going to do that every game, if you're going to create 13 turnovers in five games, you're going to be in a pretty good position to win those games. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt has talked about it for the last, you know, what, three weeks, four weeks now. If you turn it over, if you have a negative turnover margin, you're probably going to lose that game. If you have a positive turnover margin, you're probably going to win that game. That's probably the stat that he's repeated the most the last couple of years, that that if you have a positive turnover margin, what is it, 83%, I think, is the number he throws out there, your chances to win the game based on that stat alone. Uh, And I think it's that simple for Tennessee in a game like this. You know, it's crazy to think they might have made some progress against Alabama based on what the score was and how they kind of got dominated in that game. But Jerry Garantano had 184, 85 total yards and two touchdowns. He didn't turn it over. Uh, They ran for nearly 150 yards on the ground, I think 139 as a team. If you can do that at Arkansas, you're going to be in a position to win the game because you didn't turn the ball over, uh, and you're productive enough on offense to give yourself a chance. I think that's what Arkansas is doing. They're holding on to the ball. They're forcing turnovers, and they're playing a pretty clean brand of football um, on both sides that keeps them in games. I think if Tennessee could imitate that, they'd be in a pretty good shot uh, in a pretty good place, you know, the second half of the schedule. Yeah, Grant hit on the thing I was going to discuss next, which is this. Hey, oh. Hey, oh. Is that you right now look at the, the nation's leaders, the national leaders in interceptions. Uh, right now, Kentucky and Wake Forest have 11 apiece, right? That's, that's tied for, for the lead nationally. Uh, Arkansas is right there behind those two with 10 picks, and Arkansas has played one fewer game than either of those teams. So of teams who have played more than a couple games, Arkansas is leading college football in interceptions per game. That team is picking off two passes per game. And if I am looking at this game and I am either a Tennessee coach, Tennessee player, Tennessee fan, Tennessee support staff member, if I care at all about Tennessee going into this game and I'm looking for something that really concerns me, that jumps out at me in a hurry because this story right now for this Tennessee football team, Tennessee has been so ridiculously less than careful, just reckless with the football. And a lot of those scores that they've given up have been defensive scores. They have been just completely giving games away with these turnovers. And Arkansas has been as opportunistic as any defense in college football. I mean, we talked about Kentucky, right? We saw what that what happened in that game. And Kentucky, that's not necessarily a fluke. Kentucky's got 11 picks in six games. That's really good. They lead college football in that category. Arkansas has got more per game, though. And Kentucky has had the benefit of playing Tennessee, which Arkansas has not. 
So if I am a Tennessee fan going into this game, if I'm a Tennessee player, that concerns me right off the bat. Because if this game is played straight up on any field between these two teams and it's just the more talented team wins, I think Tennessee's got the more talented football team. I think Arkansas is pretty good in some areas, and I don't think Tennessee's great. I think Tennessee's probably got a better roster, though. But if Tennessee's going to go in there and, and throw more than one pick, guys, this is going to be a tough, tough, tough place to leave with a win. Yeah, I, I think that the, the turnover margin is a great point. And, and while, um, you know, that, that's, uh, that's, it can be a, uh, a sign of Arkansas being good at, at forcing turnovers and, and being good at taking care of the ball, it also can, can be kind of a fluky thing that can change game by game. We've seen that before, obviously, with Tennessee the past couple of years. So uh, it's something Tennessee needs to go differently in this game because uh, if Arkansas wins the turnover battle, <laughs> you can't like Tennessee's chances. Jeremy Pruitt laid it out pretty clearly Monday. Uh, when Tennessee wins the turnover battle, they're they're two and zero, and and the games they've lost the turnover battle that they've lost all three. So uh, and he thinks he says that's a pretty clear trend uh, across the country. I, I haven't looked at the numbers, or certainly throughout the league, you know, I haven't looked at the numbers to see exactly what they are. But I'm well, sure I'll, that's I'll, t- right. I'll tell you this, right? I don't want to talk over you here, but but when you talk about we talk about Georgia's defense as being maybe the best in college football, right? Georgia's yeah. defense is the only one in the SEC that is has a better pass efficiency rating defense than Arkansas does and I think you can look at turnovers just interceptions thrown that can be a fluky thing like you said that could be a tip ball that could be just you know one team has a couple safeties who can catch another team doesn't right I mean that can be fluky but pass efficiency defense that's a different story and Arkansas's pass efficiency statistics are really really good and that to me says okay maybe they are actually pretty good back there and that's and that's problematic you know if, if Arkansas secondary or, or pass defense overall is that good uh, and they are good at forcing turnovers. Hey, that's a, that's a formula that gives you some concern with Jared Garantano going in there, obviously. So they need him to be on, on his a game. You know, he's, he's, there's not much in between with him either. He's on and he takes good care of the ball and, and he's pretty efficient as we've seen before. And you know, even against Alabama, give him credit. He didn't turn it over against Alabama, even though Tennessee was never really in that game very much after the first quarter. Um, but but if when he's not on and he's turning it over, it, it, it obviously leads to a to a long night for the Vols. A lot of times they they need him to not be that version of Jarrett Garantano in this game. It's a it's a hugely important game for the reasons we've laid out already. And um, yeah, the, the turnover margin. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's harped on that during this open date and did again Monday. It's got to it's got to be something they they turn around because he he hates turnovers to begin with. And I think when he looked at last year's season, you know, he's pointed to it even this year in hindsight why they turned it around last year a lot of it goes back to turnovers they were turning it over early with that one and four start they stopped turning it over they started winning again so he's going to harp on that uh, as much as any coach and and he knows that's the key to them turning things around here in the second half okay i fact check myself Uh, i've put my brain in a pretzel which is admittedly not hard to do Um, (laughs) but yes arkansas has 10 interceptions through five games one of them was in the first half against Georgia when they were playing Dewan Mathis for whatever reason, uh, a freshman on the road. They had three against KJ Costello in week two because it's Mike Leach come hell or high water. He's going to be throwing a ball. He yeah. threw 59 times in that game. Costello was picked off three times. Against Ole Miss two weeks after that, that Matt Coral kid, he had six picks in that game. 38 pass attempts. He was picked off six times by this Arkansas secondary. So, um, Jerry Garantano, if he throws six interceptions, he's walking back. He's probably not a part of the program anymore. I don't think that's <laughs> yeah. going to happen. He, he will. Um, he will be let, stranded somewhere in the Ozarks if that happens. So yes, it may be a little bit more of a game by game thing than just what the stats say uh, when you pull up the stats. But 
I mean, it, it really is that simple. Just take care of the football. I mean, Jarek Antonio, Ryan said it well. He's he's one or the other. He's the turnover machine, or he takes care of the football and he accounts for a couple touchdowns. And Tennessee has a shot to win the game. Um, you've got to figure that out. You've got to find the right formula, whatever that is, if this is going to be the guy that you're going to stick by uh, the rest of the season, or at least to start with here the second half at Arkansas. you got to figure out that formula to take care of the ball. If you're not going to take care of it, obviously Arkansas can take advantage and create turnovers because they are there regardless of when they came or how they happened. Last thing before we step out of here, I- I'm not going to pretend you know that, that you could take an entire missed off season basically, or just a really weird off season. And you can take kind of one open date during the season and you can sort of get all that work done that you would have done then. So it's not like Tennessee is going to be a completely different football team. The second half of the season, for the most part, you are what you are. Tennessee takes care of the ball. It's a decent team. If it doesn't, it's not. Uh, But I do think that, that I have stopped pretending that I have any idea going into a game whether or not Jaron Garantano will play well. I, I just I, I've maybe y'all have a formula that you can can go back to and look at. I I don't. Uh, I I do not know whether he is going to completely give a game away or if he's going to go out there and look pretty good. I never really know. But what I do know is that I do think one area where this football team. I expect Tennessee's defense to look a decent bit better in the second half of the season. And I know they're playing some some teams that can put some points on the board. I, I know that. But I also know that Jeremy Pruitt, for years and years, was one of the best defensive coordinators in all of college football. I also know that a couple of years ago, Derek Ansley was the highest-paid defensive backs coach in the National Football League. I know those two guys are really good defense, defensive coaches. I know that they feel good about Brian Niedermeyer as a guy helping them on the defensive side of the ball. I know that the past couple of weeks they feel like they've taken some steps forward with Pruitt going in to, to re- relieve Jimmy Brumbaugh and coach uh, the defensive line himself. And I know that they feel good about Shelton Felton too, a guy who spoke with the, the Knoxville Quarterback Club on Monday, by the way. But I also I know that this team is doing some things that I think can be corrected defensively. Now, some of them, I don't know, they might need a full offseason for some of this stuff. Some of it, I think they can correct it now, and I do expect that after an open date, I think it's reasonable to expect with the coaching acumen on this staff, I think you can expect to see some better play on that side of the ball. Am I crazy for thinking that? I, I just, I think that's one area. We don't know about the offense. We, we never really do. But I think defensively, we can, we can guess this team can play at a, at a higher level. I, I think so. And that's, I guess one of the things that's maybe concerning is uh, you, you've had such a prolonged trend of the defensive line play, um, which is obviously one of the concerns this team has had. You know, that, that goes all the way back to preseason camp, and that, that group wasn't really impacted all that much by, by COVID-19 quarantines and things like that. So that, you've got a two-month trend to sort of reverse there if you're going to get that fixed, uh, you know, more than two months now at this point. Uh, and that's, that's not great, uh, not a great spot to be in. And you've had a midseason coaching change and all that. But if, if your head coach who has a defensive background, obviously, even though he's not a defensive line coach by trade, if he can't get the, get more out of that group, then uh, there, there probably aren't too many guys who could come in and, and in the midseason, middle, middle of the season and, and do something different. So, so that change could give Tennessee a spark for sure. And, and he had last week to sort of, uh, make a, do a deep dive into the to, into the fundamentals and details and, and work on some things with guys that, that maybe that clicks so that that could make a difference in the secondary is where I think they have maybe the most upside and that's where you know they, we've seen them play better in the past than they have in the first five games you know they, they're capable of doing more than they have uh, they're obviously trying to find the right personnel in some situations as we've, as we've seen with Key Lawrence you know getting a look at star 
Um, so they're not fixed back there, uh, you know, and, and just moving forward with the same group. But you've, you've got a lot of guys who've played for you before. There should be reason to think that group is better than it's shown so far. It's just a matter of getting that potential out of them. And, you know, I, I don't know what the trick might be, but, yeah, you'd like to think they've found something during that open date that might improve things back there. Uh, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, frankly, that that group has not been better to this point anyway. So maybe they're healthier uh, after having a week off. There could be a number of things that could tr- contribute to that. But like you said, with guys like Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ansley on that side of the ball, uh, there, there's reason to think they can play a lot better than they have, and especially in the secondary to me. I mean, it goes back to what Wes said earlier. When they started playing well last season, when they were in this kind of similar situation where they needed to turn something around later in the year, um, I think it came defensively, and I think it came forcing turnovers, which is what Wes mentioned earlier. And, and you know, they won a lot of games uh, to end that season, but they never had consistent quarterback play. Jerry Garantano was uh, – sometimes he'd come off the bench and play well. Brian Maurer started at Kentucky. He was awful in the first half. They were down 13 nothing. Garantano came in threw a couple touchdown passes. Uh, they get a goal on stand. They win that game. Um, JT Trout throws a, what, 55-yard touchdown against South Carolina. Uh, they kind of started slow in that game. They had quarterback questions. I think Trout started that game. Garantano came off the bench, got injured. I mean, they juggled quarterbacks through the second half and really never had any consistency there. Uh, never really knew what you're going to get game in and game out. Even uh, in the, uh, the Gator Bowl against Indiana, Garantano got benched for a couple possessions before coming back in later in the game. So if it's going to turn around, um, if you can find consistent QB play, then sure, it's going to help right there. It's going to start there, but it's going to be defensively. They, they have – better personnel than what they've shown production wise in the first half of the season. And they got to figure out a way to get there uh, and to produce, to, to force those turnovers and, and negate, you know, if you're turning the ball over on offense, you better negate it uh, and get turnovers on defense. Uh, if they can hold on to the ball, um, if they can, you know, limit mistakes, play better, cleaner football, they'll be a good football team in the second half. It, it needs to start at Arkansas. I hope we have a better, cleaner podcast on Thursday than we did in this one, by the way. I'm going to take some mental reps and then I'll get back to you. I'm the one who needs to do it. I was off. I was terrible today. Ron, you got anything Leader, else, buddy? Need some leadership reps, Wes? Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> you got no, to have that mouth discipline. That's. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. But, uh, yeah, no, I, not, nothing nothing major to add. But, yeah, this this to me, uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to sort of diving into this one a little bit more. I got to watch some of the Arkansas's games Saturday. But this is, a, this is a fascinating matchup to me. And it's crazy to me, too, that I was lo- just looking back on this series' recent history. How, how, what bad fortune Tennessee's had <laughs> against Arkansas in the last 15 years? Uh, you know, they, they got blown out in Fayetteville during the Darren McFadden, Felix Jones era. Uh, those guys came back to Knoxville and Tennessee beat them, I think, the, the next year, maybe. And then, uh, and then Tennessee goes to Arkansas in 2011, gets blown out then. And then in 2015, the game that Tennessee probably should have won, one of the games that really cost them that year, yep. uh, where they, they had a few close games they lost, they lose to Arkansas and Knoxville that year. So, crazy to me that Tennessee's had such uh, a bad track record against Arkansas the past 15 years, considering where that program has been at times. But, uh, and, and then here they are again, getting a tougher than expected Arkansas matchup than what we expected going in uh, with Arkansas looking like they were going to be, you know, maybe bad like the last couple of years. So well, we'll see if Arkansas can keep that trend up. Wasn't that the one where Evan Berry housed the opening kickoff? Uh, yes, it was. He did. He returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown and they still lost uh 24, 20 back in yeah, 2015. That was, that was one of the good old, 14 point whatever double digit leads that they couldn't hold on to yep. the, the season. It was 14 nothing pretty quickly in that game and uh, it evaporated pretty quickly. That was when the uh, that's when it started to kind of get dicey. I think that's a good place to leave it. We'll leave it on that optimistic note right there. Thanks guys. <laughs> Positivity. The power 
the power of positivity. I think that's what this, that's what the subtitle uh, for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast should be. That's what we're all about here. That's what we're all about. It's the power of positivity. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, apologies for, for my voice today. Hopefully that'll get better later in the week. Probably won't, um, but uh, and it's never very good to begin with anyway, but maybe it'll be better later in the week. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter, Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter, and the two yahoos who join me on this podcast, Grant Ramey can be found at Grant Ramey on Twitter, and Ryan Callahan can be found at Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash govals 24-7, where as always we promise that vladimir putin will not uh he will not hack our facebook account we make that pledge to you the world we promise that won't happen or if you want that delicious east tennessee mountain spring water just just right from the tap right from the source delicious get that at goballs247.com the best site on all of al gore's internets for tennessee coverage of tennessee football tennessee football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting baseball lady vol sports where marie cornelius does an excellent job covering lady vol sports for us and we got a couple of forms there that are operated around the clock that would be the checkerboard uh the main board and then we've got the summit the appropriately named summit uh, the women's sports board all kinds of stuff on there if you want to talk tennessee sports or anything else that is not political or religious in nature you can do that all day long we call it 24 7 for a reason right there goballs247.com click on the checkerboard and if you pay us full price for a subscription which is still a really good deal less than one mediocre lunch a month if you do that you get access to cbs all access for free that's cbs a streaming platform every show cbs has ever done commercial free new movies in and out every single month live sports you got tennessee football tennessee basketball you got um, March Madness, NFL football. You got rest of the SEC in football. You got uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Series of Poker stuff, all kinds of live stuff on there all the time. And not just that. If that wasn't enough, and that already should be enough, if it weren't, we've also got Comedy Central on there, got uh, BET, MTV on there, got Smithsonian and got Nickelodeon for the kids all right there. That's a $100 plus annual value. That's the best CBS all access package you can get that we will give you for free. No questions asked. Pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, it's a deal that uh, I think you should take advantage of. It. Guys, if you're going out there for election day, be safe, be smart, uh, take care of yourself out there. And if there's no major breaking news, you should hear from us again by Thursday. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 